Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What you guys said, it's a weird movie. We're going to circle back to that at one point. Oh, yeah, point. absolutely. So let's, let's keep put a pin on that, please. Good job, up. Hello and welcome back to Blaster Cannon, Den of Geek, Star Wars and Expanded Universe podcast. I'm Seth, one of your hosts, and I'm joined as always by Megan Cross, greetings, and Paul Herman. Salutations. And this is an episode that we have waited for for five years. Well, less than that, because our show isn't going that long, but for a long time. What yeah, feels like a decade. Personally, yeah, personally we have waited yeah. for five years. Yeah, yeah, we've personally been waiting for this for five years. Uh, it's the Rise of Skywalker episode. It finally Please. happened. We were finally wow. going to talk about it. Wow. Um, Star Wars is over. It's not it's done. over. It's not. I can't believe they, they canceled <laughs> Star Wars after this. I know. Oh, gosh. <laughs> wow. Uh, before we actually get into that, and we will have first non-spoiler impressions, and then we will go on to spoilers later. Um, but first of all, we're going to talk quickly about The Mandalorian and the episodes that have come out, and also the Book Force Collector and the Kylo Ren comic. We're just gonna briefly like slide over those. I say that we are us, so we'll 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 try our best to touch on those briefly. That was my intent too. Was like the movie's the big thing, but we want to acknowledge, like, keep with our expanded universe theme here yeah. and do these yeah. as well quickly. That's fair. And like, because stuff in the Mandalorian did kind of lead into Rise of Skywalker in some ways. Yes. Um, and also the Kylo Ren comic obviously leads into Rise of Skywalker. So I feel like it's good to talk about those things. Okay. I don't know anything about False Collector because I have it, but I actually have not opened it at all same same <laughs> so let's get started first of all mandalorian we're up to episode seven now so we're gonna have quick reactions on episodes four to seven and i'm gonna very briefly say please just keep dave filoni in animation oh my god please god um wow but i love episode seven and i love baby yoda and i love uh caradoon and also the mandalorian mandalorian um, good Overall, I love yeah. uh, episode seven a lot. Now that we've got characters establishing character, established characters returning, and yeah, and like the gang getting back together. Oh, so good. yes, yes, and I love Quill so much. I love Cara Dune so much. It's been an up and down show, but overall, it's really good. And I'm just—I don't want to sound patronizing, but I do feel that one of the things that's been most fun with me for me has just been how the Mandalorian has proliferated across the internet. Like people that don't care about Star Wars care about the Mandalorian and that's really it's fun for amazing. Me. Like I went to my sister's birthday party yesterday and like her friends are mostly not nerds. Like they they're nerdy. They like nerdy stuff, but they're not nerds, you know? Um <laughs> and like even like her least nerdy friends would like be like, oh Seth's a Star Wars person. I'm gonna talk to you about the Mandalorian because I'm loving it. And I was like, oh this is so good. I love yeah. this. <laughs> No, the Mandalorian has totally transcended to the mainstream, and more so, I you could almost argue more so than the sequel trilogy has. Um, oh yeah, I'd say so because I yeah. know plenty of people who've never seen the sequel trilogy, but like everyone is watching Mandalorian. And part of that's Baby Yoda, and but also, but in, we get I could go on a long time about this, but 
obviously baby Yoda, I, I think has cultivated the mainstream, but the, the thing is the Mandalorian himself and the stories that they're writing, the characters besides Mandalorian, like the Cara Dunes and, and, you know, and, and Quill and, and everyone else, they're very interesting. There's interesting things going on in it and it's keeping them. It's not just a one trick pony. It's people are being lured in by the cuteness of the baby Yoda and they're actually staying and getting great quality star Wars stuff that why we all love star Wars in the first place, uh, is why they're watching and sticking around and not why the show is the number one TV show in the world, which I also predicted, but it's also, it's also star Wars. I mean, it's not like a the hard of a prediction, but I would have never predicted. <laughs> ba- I would have never predicted baby Yoda. I mean, Wait, no, who would have sure. predicted baby Yoda? Literally yeah, nobody no, could have nobody. predicted that. I yeah, remember but, watching the episode yeah. for the first time and losing my mind. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. what is happening? Yeah. So and now it's just a staple. It's part of star Wars. Now it's baby Yoda. Yeah. And so for me, episodes four through seven, I, I love them all. I, I I disagree, Sav. I don't think Dave Filoni is these sticking animation. Oh, no, no. I really did like the episodes, but, like, the Dave Filoni episode compared to, like, all of the other episodes directed by, um, like, no, people totally. who, weren't, who weren't just white guys um, were much stronger, in my well, opinion. Well, and yeah, it that's, is... that's true. Yeah, I would totally Yeah, and I do feel like Dave Filoni's episode and I think also it's... chronologically feels weird. Um, we talked about it on Rogue Podden, actually, but it feels like it should go before episode four just because of how the character arcs go. Um, because... It seems weird after episode four when he learns, like that there's people trying to kill Baby Yoda and stuff, uh, and somehow he becomes less protective in the next episode. And it feels like those two should be swapped. Um, yeah, yeah. But here's, here's but what like, I, I still like the I still love the episodes. Like I enjoy them a lot, but I do think it's the weakest episode of them all. I I, I would say to be honest, I think the I love Deborah Chow's third episode. This last episode I've only seen once, granted, but it didn't really grab me as the other ones. And I'm not, I think it's probably on the same level as as Dave Filoni's last one, to be honest. Like it just it didn't like grab me as much as I wanted it to. Now, granted, Dave Filoni's episode he's in Moss Eisley, and that's why I think I probably like it a little bit more than just because <laughs> it does pay fan service to that. And it I, does, but, yeah. But I, I would I like Dave Filoni. I think he he's worked his way up and he I think he's done a lot of good Star Wars stuff. And I think he, he deserves to develop his stuff too. But at the same time, I my favorite episodes are still the second and six episodes. I think those are phenomenal. And mm-hmm. the prisoner mm-hmm. Mine's think, definitely episode four. I love episode four. Yeah. Um I like so four much. and seven. I do think it's key Yeah, I think too. those are my favorite too. There's been a lot of conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's been a lot of conversation about the directors, and I generally agree with you, Saf, but I also think it's key that John Favreau has been doing a lot of the writing, and the writing varies, but I thought it was very strong in episode seven. So I'll oh, give him yeah, credit definitely. for that. And episode five was written by Defloni, so you can yeah. kind of tell, because it does feel a bit like a. I remember watching it um, with my yeah. flatmate who I always watch it with, and it opens, it has a cold open, and I was like, in space, and I was like, yep, that's Dave Filoni. Absolutely, it, Dave Filoni. It definitely has a, cl- yeah, it has, it has a Clone Wars feel to it, like the way the piece. Yeah, which I isn't the worst, but yeah, like I said, it yeah. just doesn't quite feel as good yeah. as the yeah. others to me. And anyways, it doesn't matter, because the next episode's by Taika Waititi, so who cares? He's doing the finale. That's a good choice for the finale. I know, I'm so excited about that. <laughs> So, Megan, what are your thoughts on these episodes, like, four to seven? I really loved seven. I did not like six. Six had so many things that I thought would be cool to me, including the details on what the New Republic is up to, more alien characters, and this very self-contained heist-type story. And the I the truly main... remember six, and I've seen it twice. You guys are insane. The The... Like the the bits of Mandalorian of the Mando being frightening were so good, but the um the 
Shion, the Twi'lek character, really disappointed Ooh. me. Yeah, in that I was one. not happy with her. I felt the writing of the rest of the crew, the whole crew, were, were very boring and very inept. I was like, how did these people ever have a career without the Mandalorian? They're just totally, they're acting like 12-year-olds instead of like hardened criminals like they're supposed to be. And mm. um, I I was like, oh, this is awesome. We see a Twi'lek on screen, but her her lines were weird and her affect was weird. And the she, way... I... I also said this on Rogue Pop, but um, she kind of felt like Harley Quinn, but Absolutely. as a Twi'lek, and I wasn't here for that, really. I also have a very, very nerdy nitpick, which is that, like, the Leku, like, her whole her whole outfit looked rubbery, which is exactly what it's supposed to look yeah. like. She's a Star Wars creature, they're rubbery, that's fine. But her Leku were, like, splayed out to the side instead of hanging straight down the back, like the ones in the prequels tend to do, and that annoyed me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's such mm. a nitpicky dumb thing and it's probably just like different Twi'leks look different one, thing, I was like, one theory I kind of liked um, because she has she doesn't have ear cones and she's still got sharp teeth which are like uh, biological features of like the male Twi'leks generally yeah. so I like the idea that she's like trans um, which obviously it's a female actress and also like it's not going to ever be a thing in Star Wars for that particular character for that particular show. But like, I just like the headcanon of that. I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm a bit. Well, I like her character a little bit more if I think about it that way. But I still don't love her character. But at the same time, you could also look at it as maybe not trans staff, but maybe just like the fact that she's doing something that's like against what her culture is is telling her to do. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, the idea she like cut off her ear cones or something freaks me out. <laughs> So, I mean, I think, again, I, I, that plays into the fact, I like the character, and I thought she was cool, and I think that the sharp teeth idea, again, because the males usually, like you guys talked about, have, usually have the sharp, the sharp teeth or whatever. It's mainly the ear cones that's the thing for me, because I, mm. I hate the ear cone thing. I hate the dudes and normally and the ladies have ear cones. It freaks me out, and I don't like it. So, if they have ear cones, I was like, oh, that's weird, and I don't like that. Um just because yeah. I, I personally have a nitpick with the Twi'lek ears. Like, that's just the thing that I have. <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's fair. No, I, I think episode episode six was a, probably maybe my favorite with episode two. And uh, followed by very closely episode three. Um, but yeah, I, I think episode six, it, it's funny. Everything you said, Megan, I never, I never agree. I not agree. I just don't even, I never even once thought that. I just think mm -hmm. that like for me, when I watched it, everything just, it felt very good. Um, everything, everything, everything felt like very crisp and like, like quick. And, and I felt like they introduced so many different characters and without having the luxury of, of multiple, a, a bunch of time to, to basically expand on these people, you did, did a good job of, of basically here are the characters, here they are, bam, 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 bam. Here's a, you know, here's the history. It, it, I thought it was a very crisp episode, and uh, Rick Fumiyama and Christopher Yost, they uh, co-wrote the, the, the show, the, that episode together. Christopher Yost is a guy, I, I realized, he did some Star Wars uh, Rebels episodes as well, which I didn't realize, I forgot. But he's, he sure I, did. But I know him from the comic books. He he was a veteran comic book writer for years, and also... Was, oh, yeah, uh, that's why his name is so familiar to me. <laughs> yeah, and he also wrote the first... Or you basically wrote the last two Thor films because um, Taika oh, yeah. worked on the uh, Dark World, whatever it is, and uh, and all the Dark World and then a Ragnarok. So, I mean, so it's credited for the worst Thor film and also the best Thor film. So huh. it's but, but hey, you know, people people have good days oh. and bad days. Who well, among us? I, I don't blame. He's not written a bad thing. <laughs> I don't blame him. I don't. I honestly don't give him credit for either one. 
like because I think he just structurally wrote. I think he did the structuring of the of the movie, whereas everything else was probably Taika on the last one, and, and the other people probably took it over probably from because they did multiple rewrites on Dark World. But my point is, I, you can't put put the yeah, blame yeah. Or, or the credit on him alone. He's but, a solid writer, exactly. And yeah, so yeah. Rick Fumiyama, Which is why he's doing these things, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Rick Fumiyama, for me, like I I just adore the two the two episodes he did. And I and I went on online um, the next day when when he uh, after I after the episode aired and I I kind of went on a little tirade about how I think Star Wars needs to give him Lucasfilm basically they should give him a movie because Rick is a veteran movie like director he's been doing stuff for a long time he's been trying to do break into like mainstream movies as far as as far as like blockbusters he was attached to do the flash movie for a long time and he and he bowed out because oh, yeah so he's been tapped to, he's been close to making like legit stuff and here's the thing that after i've i've never seen dope and i've heard dope is a great movie that he i think he Didn't wrote we talk about this in the last episode i don't remember but i just wanted i don't think i don't so. remember I think anything about dope no, the second I love that second episode. I, I talked about how impressed I was from it. Now, after episode six and having him co-write the episode, I'm all about this guy doing, giving him a movie or giving him more stuff to do in Star Wars. I think it confirms it for me that they really need to give him more because I love this again. The small world idea, like he had two very different episodes. And both are like mm-hmm. very concise, and he just delivered every time. And ju- and don't get me wrong, Deborah Chow too. I think she was phenomenal in episode three, and I think the last episode was great as well. I just didn't like the overall. I just didn't like the. It wasn't her fault. It was the story and, and the writing. It just didn't grab me as much as like episode, her other episode did. But again, directed everything else was fine about it. So I, I'm really excited about her doing Obi Wan. So yeah, I think we. De- I think that there's no secret that I think you have. Uh, Dave Filoni, Rick Fumiyama, and Deborah Chow as the X-wing pilots in that episode flying. Like I <laughs> yes. think, oh, it's I so think cute. Is, I think that is the going to be a potential uh, brain creative trust of Star Wars potentially going forward. I really do. Huh. I, that's a great. My favorite thing about that yeah. is um, it was a joke, and then Favreau was like, "No, no, we're going to do this now," and they were like, "Ah, uh, I don't want to." <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were joking oh, about it, that. and then Favreau was like, "We're going to do it," and none of them wanted to do it. And so Deborah Chow was like, "I'm only going to do it if both of you are going to do it," and Rick was like, "I'm only going to do it if both of you do it," and Dave was like, "Well, I guess I have to do this." Now. Oh wow. Um, okay, so that they talked about it, it on a different interview. Yeah, and um, so after that, I was like, I bit. Dave Filoni's character was called Wolf Trapper because Favreau was calling him out about his wolf love <laughs> instead of Fav- <laughs> like because everyone was like oh Dave Filoni named his character Wolf Trapper but I have a feeling it was a joke at his expense. <laughs> oh, that's so much- that's good. I'm I'm glad to know that. It's, yeah, it's, it's really it's, cute. It sounds like we all love the Mandalorian though, so I, I think I think that's I think even though we don't agree on the, what episodes we all love and connect I think, to, like the the central theme here is that the Mandalorian's good and there's an episode for everybody like there's different things for everybody to enjoy in it which is good I have an unpopular opinion about the Mandalorian (gasps) which I think I do want to bring up now because it does kind of add context to what we're going to talk about later which is that I very much enjoyed um, parts of episode five the one with Ming-Na Wen that is five right yeah yeah. Yeah. that's that's baloney episode um, that was a highly criticized episode for some very good reasons. Her character is underused. Her character is arguably dead. And the 
kind of the Mando's side I didn't love, but there were such good supporting characters. Amy Sedaris, right? Yeah, played, was, oh my god, she's like hilarious yeah. character. And Ming Na Wen herself, while she wasn't used very much, and I think that was not a deep character in as much as one can ask a character who's in like 15 minutes of a Star War to be deep. Um, I think she did a really good job, and she and Pedro Pascal both have that ability to act under, like, heavy helmets really well. I thought her fight scene was really cool. I'm glad that she was present, and, like, her presence in the show really elevated it for me. So between those two characters, I really liked that episode. And that while, meanwhile, I think the script was okay, and I totally understand how people who were really excited for Ming-Na Wen to have a major part did not see this as a major part because it's not um, yeah. the yeah. But, and I will throughout this episode. I'm gonna critique the rise of Skywalker a lot. <gasps> um, <laughs> we've oh. critiqued the Mandalorian, but one thing that I'm trying to work on, and to be clear, is that as um, Paul kind of hinted at this earlier, like with with Christopher Yost's writing, I do commend. Abrams and Chris Terrio and Yost and even the writers that I didn't like their work that much for doing the work. Um, I think it's important to keep that in mind that I don't want to be saying personally, like, I found this person was terrible. I will address it as this choice or this dialogue was not, did not work for me. And because it's really hard to make these things. And I don't yeah, like... Yeah, like, the fact that we got the final of a trilogy of this movie, when even, like, in the first movie was a freaking miracle, is honestly amazing. Yes. I don't like to be kind of attacking people like that. I want to say, this is the art, this is how it worked for me. So I will try and keep that in mind going forward. That's fair. I feel like that's a good moral for podcasting. Mhm. 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 All right. So, Mandalorian. We've we've talked about that. I'm sure we'll have like a proper episode on all of it once um the eighth episode comes out, which will be great. So, Force Collector. Uh, Megan, you've read this, right? Yes, I just finished Good. it recently. This is a middle grade book by Kevin Shinick. It's kind of right between middle grade and YA. The character, I think, is implied to be in like middle school, but then they mention that he's like an older teen so it's kind of between those two realms and I first heard about this book at a comic-con panel where he talked about it's about a character who's kind of exploring the story of Star Wars in bits and pieces and he himself doesn't know much about the Jedi he knows he he gets like flashes like visions but he doesn't even really know how force sensitivity works and he's starting to get these visions about the history of the Jedi and goes looking for uh, objects that can tell him more about them. So he's kind of discovering the Star Wars story in order or out of order. And there are a couple really cool moments where he goes to prequel planets and where he, for a while, he thinks that Luke and Anakin are the same person because all he knows is that one of the Jedi and his vision is a person named Skywalker. And he's seeing them these conversations about Skywalker out of order. So the um, the writer talked about how he wanted it to be like a kid who sees bits and pieces of the story 
and doesn't put them all together, but finds what he sees to be really cool. And I thought the book did that well. So overall, good book. The other funny part is he mentioned at the Comic-Con panel that he had accidentally written something that was in The Rise of Skywalker and the story group sent him back a note that was like, normally this would be okay, but you can't do it because actually, I don't know if they said normally it would be okay, but they said you can't do it because you've accidentally written The Rise of Skywalker (laughs) and, which I think is hilarious and if you read the book, I'm pretty sure I know what that thing was, so. That's real good. Yeah. So It's like when you're playing uh, Quiplash and you both write the same (laughs) answer in and the game doesn't give you any points because it's like you unoriginal people but actually you're just both really smart um it feels kind of <laughs> like that yes i i know i would feel like honored of, oh my idea was good enough for the movie except they're not gonna use it because they come up came up and with now it i won't separate. look original because the movie has it instead of me <laughs> <laughs> but they of course changed it in the book the one thing that was strange about this book was that one of the characters is his his friend the main character's friend is her father works in the First Order. And the First Order is portrayed as authoritarian, but not evil. So her dad is like an officer or something. And at one point he sends stormtroopers after them because they stole a spaceship. But the only level of like aggression they do, it's basically as if like, if his dad was a, was a police officer and he sent a cop car to go get him because they took the family car out and like, like, did a joy ride with the family car when they're 18 or something like that was the level of like that was the role of the first order and the whole time um these characters are are basically okay with the first order it just it just is where they live it just is the government of where they live there's never any he never makes the jump from i'm gonna be a jedi to the first order is kind of bad and jedi usually fight this kind of thing and I thought that was weird. Um, but overall, I enjoyed it. I have not read it or <clears throat> yet, but you've uh, you've enticed me. I haven't finished Rebel, uh, res- whatever, Rise of Resistance, or whatever the heck it's called. <laughs> Resistance Reborn. Whatever it is. The one that's not a Disney ride, but has a very similar name. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I tried finishing that book. I just, I can't. I just did not care about anything in that book. And it just... Especially considering how they built up Wedge and and what we'll get in the movie here in a second, it's just like literally makes zero sense to like yeah. I I said I kind of told myself I was I was listening to it, I wasn't engaging with it, and I just said to myself, "There's nothing really for me to 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 keep going." Unfortunately, so I yeah, just stopped. Yeah, all the reviews I've heard from it have not enticed me to read it necessarily um but from what i've heard about force collector i'm like i'm in yeah, that yeah. a lot so, i i have it i just haven't started it yet because i haven't had time yeah. but i'm very keen for it and especially after like what you said megan it sounds really good so megan would you record you think i would like it is it more engaging than uh resistance whatever reborn or whatever it's called it's more straightforward it's um yeah i think the it's it has more clarity because it's a more like resistance reborn the characters bounce around the the galaxy a lot there kind of can't be a conclusion because the conclusion is the rise of skywalker force collector is a lot more self-contained and a lot more like point a to point b hmm interesting that's good that's good all right all right next up paul How's that Kylo Ren comic? Oh, man. 
I highly recommend <laughs> if you if anyone out there is into basically if you love Ben Solo Kylo Ren from the sequel trilogy and you're also are a big Luke Skywalker fan you want more post Return of the Jedi Luke Skywalker before Ryan Johnson got a hold of him um, I am and, ordering sorry. it now. Winky, winky, wink. I have this that was mm, a joke. Mm, I'm sorry. You're selling me on it even more. No, no, no. So, but honestly, if you want all of that and you also want more information on the Knights of Ren right off the bat, this is only for one issue, by the way. If you want all those things and you also liked Charles Soule's Vader series, which is the best Star Wars comics ever written, yeah, go read this. Because I, so what happened was I, I jumped off social media Monday. And basically stayed away from everything. And I knew my friends were texting me, you know, they couldn't get a hold of me in any other way. And they're like, hey, uh, have you read the Kylo Ren comic yet? I went, nope. And I'm not going to until after I see the movie. And I didn't get a chance to read the comic literally until this morning. I just been, it's been crazy for me the last couple of days. And I, uh, I sat down and read it and I just could not believe how good it was. And I also couldn't believe how much they actually showed in the, in the comic. I was like, whoa. Because I want to spoil it. Just, it's better. It's best, honestly, to go into it. And you're going to be like, whoa, this is actually pretty cool. And it's bumming me out. That's only four issues. Oh. Okay. And- I did actually literally just buy it now. And the first page is a lot. <laughs> I told oh, you. Like, it, is that Garden Snook or? It, no. No, okay. no, no. I've seen, no. I've seen screenshots of Garden Snook. And that is an image. No, no, that, but I that's mean, in there. That's in there, though. Yeah, that is kind of why I want to read it. <laughs> I want to understand the context for that outfit. Page one is a shirtless man wearing a helmet. It's awesome. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sold. I'm going to read that now. No, no. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. And it's, this is going to be a theme for the episode, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's weird. Hey, look, I, Paul, you know I love weird. No, no, you'll like it. Like, I, I yeah. think you guys, it, it's, it, it's only four issues. The second issue, I'm like, because you already know what it sets up after, after you're done with the, the issue. You're, you you kind of go oh, it's 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 way more complicated than what it. it Charles Soule has done a great job storytelling already. Of course, now, like when I found out it was Soul doing it, I was like, okay, I do have to read that because it's Kylo Ren, yeah. and then it's also him, and it's like, come on, it's gonna be good. You know, I'm gonna say this right now. I just I don't know why I didn't think about it just just till now, and I know he's he he's done novels and he's done comics, but. I'll be honest, if if they want to really, if, if they being Lucasfilm really wants to develop and, and keep good storytelling in general, I, you got to really consider putting this guy on some kind of story. And I'm, I'm not talking about a story group where they're like, you can't do this because this guy had a lish kind of thing in this time. Like, not like that kind of story group. I don't need that. They need creative people like a Charles Soule, like a Rick Fumiyama, people like that who are great storytellers and that's their job to tell stories and have great ideas, creative heads, right? They need to put Charles soul. If they want to do something like that, they should put Charles soul somewhere on there because that guy, even the comics that I haven't loved by him. Um, I didn't love his Anakin Obi-Wan comic series, but I still enjoyed it. I love his Lando series. His post series. I thought was 
again, I didn't love every single issue, but he did a great job developing, I think, Black Squadron and giving them a lot of great voices and interesting uh, uh, just kind of characterization and also developing Poe Dameron and did a great job of that. I think he did, a, he did an amazing job there. But also, he delivered us the best Star Wars comics ever in Darth Vader. So I it, this Kylo Ren comic and, and Lando and Lando. Yeah, I, yeah, I said Lando already. And so, like, the thing is, this we like he should be more involved because he's got he got a he has a grasp on Star Wars that a lot of writers, whether it be novels, comics, writers in movies or or in TV or whatever, this guy gets it he gets the storytelling and I'm not sure how he would translate in live action or whatever, but either way, I think he should be involved because he is phenomenal. And just after, after this first issue, I'm just like, this dude gets it. And I know he's getting direction from the story group, the proper story group of like, is this story? Oh yeah. But he's like, he's his, his strength. I feel is just being able to nail characterization. Like he can (laughs) deep dive into that character and just pull out what's actually important. Kind of like Alex freed, like, but in, also visual um yeah like that's why i think i like them both so much is that they really just get down to the character um unless yeah. they're less like about the wider plot and whatever um it's funny you say yeah freed because you know even though i'm not a novel person and so I wait, think- how, how long did we last till i said alex freed 30 minutes yeah 30 minutes <laughs> but you know 28 45 you know what's funny though Saf, is that it's it, even though you're right, because even though I'm not a novel person, you can, I, I don't finish books if I don't like them. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not finishing this. Like Res- resistance reborn didn't like it. There's other books that I struggled through. I don't love, I didn't love all his books necessarily where I'm like, oh, I love this, but you know what? I do finish his stuff and I do for the most part, enjoy it. And you're right. It's, it's because he nails characterization. And I was wondering, I'm like, what exactly is about, you know, Alexander Freed that I agree. He he does a great job explaining things. Yeah, well, he could, like, introduce a character in, like, two sentences and then Guys. kill him off two sentences later and you will cry. Yeah. yeah. No, good call. That's a good call. Sorry. I, I don't hate go- to yeah. be. I know. I know. To say okay. this, but this is not Freed podcast. It is not. It is not. <laughs> That was me trying to compliment Soul, and then it no, turned into Freed. I, I just want to make sure. I I, I was wondering what, <laughs> what makes strength, and that's what that's what it was. So anyway, and trust me, I have five hundred questions about what's going on with Alphabet Squadron now that we know oh. how oh, the so many saga questions. ends. All right. Well. All right. Talking about the saga ending, uh, let's talk about the rise of Skywalker. First of all, non-spoiler impressions uh, for oh, the people right. who haven't watched it yet and are listening to this. I guess because they care about Mandalorian and maybe Kylo Ren. Um, my non-spoiler impressions I'll go first is that I loved it it's wild wacky uh, parts of it it's a messy film it's there are parts that I don't love um, but on the whole like I didn't have any expectations going into it I was just like I just want a wild ride and a good time and it gave me that and <laughs> I love it and my favorite thing is I will go into like the actual context of it later and spoilers but both times I've seen it the audience reacted the exact same way at a certain point and it was just so funny um and I also reacted the opposite way to the audience a couple of times, which is also very funny. Anyways, that's my first impression. What about you, Megan? I came out of this movie thinking, I love Star Wars. I want more Star Wars. I was also thinking that movie was a mess and half of what happened didn't actually feel like Star Wars to me. Or if it did, 
it felt like some combination of the weirdest Star Wars I've ever seen and the most bland Star Wars I've ever seen. Um, I had a lot of problems with the script. I There were glimmers where I was like, oh, this is a cool idea. Let's go with this idea. And then the script never brought that idea up again. And I found the end to be very silly rather than uh, as moving as I think it was supposed to be. I think it's important to know Star Wars can be silly. I love some silly Star Wars, but it was somehow silly and joyless at the same time to me. And I was overthinking everything. And I think part of that is my fault. But other Star Wars movies have convinced me enough that I can move away from the overthinking in this one. I do have a question. How many times have you seen it now? Twice. Okay. All right, Paul, what are your mm. thoughts? Quick quick thoughts, because we're going to spoilers soon. I'm just going to say I loved it, and we'll move on. Because <laughs> I've, right. I've got a lot to say. I'll, 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 I can lead the spoiler after you introduce it. I can, I can go first. I'll go. Okay, yeah, 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 that sounds good. Um, I think we should do a little more broader conversation okay. before yeah, we get yeah. to spoilers, too. So maybe like tell me about some of the things that you really liked that you can do without spoilers. Okay, one thing I did, I was surprised by liking is how much I love 3PO in it, because he is hilarious, and usually I'm like, ugh, it's 3PO. Like, I love him because he's 3PO, but I'm also just like, ugh, I hate him. Um, Don't dare him. And this, I like, I don't hate him, but he just, I understand. You know? That's that's the sound I make when he does things sometimes. <laughs> um, but in this, I found him so funny, and I was like, oh, this movie made me love 3PO. Like, properly love 3PO. Um that was very good. Dio, perfect. Perfect little baby, polite droid. Love Dio so much. Um, of course, all of my impressions about droids. There is a big, weird, like, horse droid that has its face, like, a really long neck and its oh, face kind of smushed droid. into the dirt. Yeah, that was love that droid. Character. A bunch of people missed it. I'm like, how could you miss that big droid in the background? But of course, it's me, so. Looked like something from Burning Man. Yes, it did. Yeah. Um, so, movie had good droids. Did not have Peasy in it. Very disappointed about that, Abrams. Like, what What are you doing, man? Um, yeah. Was surprised. Uh, it also did something like a character arc with Finn that I really wanted, um, and I was really happy about that. And, yeah, those are my main non-spoiler impressions. It's just a lot of droid stuff. So, at the end, Dio who speaks only in a very cute voice and like one or two words at a time and has a nice little arc, but Dio says happy. And I thought, okay, Oh my God. Yes. The script telling the audience how we're supposed to feel right now. Oh, I just thought it was Dio being cute. (laughs) uh, It it felt so like workshopped, like over workshopped to me. Wow. That I can understand that. Yeah. I just saw it as like, Dio, because Dio seems like so uncomfortable and awkward through most of it for good reason. Because like when he first gets introduced, Ray's like someone treated the story badly, um, and then at the end he's like at some point he sees like everyone and he's like friends is the one where he says and I'm just like oh I love this cute little droid so much. But also I was always gonna be in love with this droid. There was nothing that was gonna make me hate it. Dio is Dio is telling you what you ought to feel about Ray in any given scene. Because she helps Dio right after she heals a, a thing, and then it it he it Dio starts out skittish, just like Ray starts out skittish. I feel like 
I felt like he was a like a signpost of this is the emotion you're supposed to feel in this. Part is this of the, the Dio podcast? What what are we? It's doing It's become the Dio right podcast. This I mean, is... it was gonna happen with me on here. He's in the Rise of Skywalker for like, like two minutes. <laughs> hey, he's in there like a little bit more than two, maybe three minutes. Okay. Oh, he's in there and he's very cute. I'm gonna be honest right now. He was worthless. Uh, I, he, was, I, he was honest. I, I I hate to say it. I'm no. Get out I'm podcast, sorry. Pull, how dare I'm sorry. You? Listen, listen. I love droids. Three. I was so excited I, that we were in agreement about this movie. We are. I know. We are, we are agreeing on this movie. Well, hold on. But Dio is like literally. He's so pointless. There's no, you could easily write him out of the movie completely. In you fact, could have, I, but you could have also written BB9E out of the movie and it just stopped me right. from loving her. Oh, oh, oh! Trust me. I, I don't even get me started on Ryan Johnson's Last Jedi right now. But here's, here's, here's <laughs> like the thing. Here's the thing. Right. right. Yes, I love I love this movie, and I but he would be under one of part of my one of my nitpicks. You could say I, I don't dislike him. I think he's a he is a cute droid. His scenes aren't bad, but they're just completely unnecessary. And I feel like they could have because one of the things I will say about for non spoilery thoughts. If I, I love the movie, and you're going to hear me praise the movie a lot here in a second. The one thing I will say that my my biggest criticism of the movie is probably it's a little too long, and it it it, dra- it, dra- it drags in other places. Now, I've seen it twice. The second time was a lot faster for me, so I don't know if I'll still have that criticism after three, four, five, six vi- you know views. But the first time, I felt that it was a tad long than longer than it needed to be, and I feel that. Things like Dio is a big reason why. And so it just kind of, and again, in a movie of two hours, you would think, well, that's only two, three minutes. Who cares? Well, in a movie of two hours and 30 minutes pacing, that's a lot. But at the same time, it did. He wasn't terrible. I just felt but like if he you was, get rid of Dio, you would uh, take away so much of my joy. No, you're right. I, I, it's I, there I, for Seth. It's there just for Seth. That's fair. But you know what? Here's just like BB-90. That's very important. Just like Peasy. There for Seth. But here's the thing, this movie, there's a, <laughs> they do a lot of that for a lot of different things for a lot of different people in this movie and just to, to make a lot of people happy. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing either. They try to give everything to everyone. Like, really, honestly, about that is like they made near the end, some of the physicality that, that Kylo Ren has yeah. is yeah. real good. I love his physicality as an actor. Um, but like the fight that's in the trailer between him and race. I feel like it's not a spoiler to say that don't love it as much. Um, Cause it just feels like it wasn't as tightly choreographed. Um, it didn't really have mm-hmm. in the force awakens. There's that like rawness to it, right? Like that mm-hmm. feral rawness and it's really good. And then in the last Jedi, like they've got that beautifully, beautifully choreographed thing in the f- throne room. Um, and that's, Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. And this one just didn't feel as good in my opinion. I wonder, I wonder if we're back to the conversation around, why were the fights in the original trilogy not as tough as the ones in the sequel in the prequels? And of course, the reason is the technology involved, the actors involved. But there are good, like in-universe arguments for like, well, those characters are untrained or are past their prime, and that's why. Arguably, if I'm going to be devil's advocate, I think the fights in the Rise of Skywalker. Several of them, not all of them, are moments where the characters are not actually trying to kill each other. They're trying to kind of do almost a... The the fight is a performance in a way. But I also agree with you. I love the very first fight in this movie. The Kylo Ren fight in the very beginning. I was Mm. like, 
It's I good. loved the first like 20 or 15 minutes of this movie. I was like, this is amazing. I actually love the breakneck, <laughs> the breakneck pace. The, the, oh, the, yeah. Um, yeah, I was really into the pacing of the first bit. Yeah. The choreography of the Kylo Ren fight was so good, even though I was also like, who are these people? Why is he fighting them? I don't understand what's going on. But it was gorgeous. And then Could be in the- a comic, who knows? I think it is actually in the visual dictionary. So, um, but throughout the rest of the lightsaber fights, I was kind of thinking like, why is this not compelling? And I still don't have a good answer for that. I think maybe it is because they're a little less acrobatic than the lightsaber fights in the prequels or because the actors do a lot of the really sweeping, really cinematic moves rather than more snappy moves. But I... I didn't love them. Yeah, I, I think that this movie, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to go back to what we kind of talked about pre-show. Uh, I love this movie because it is like what Saf said too. It's wacky. It's weird. And I'm here for it. I'm here for every wacky thing that it can give me. And I went in to this movie 100% spoiler free. I avoided it. I only saw the three main trailers. You did it. I'm so proud of you. So here's the thing. Um, I, I love the fact that I went in knowing nothing and it was so wacky that I just, it, it worked 100% for me. Most, I'd say 95% of the movie did. And I think it is a, I think it's very much what Star Wars need, the sequel trilogy needed at the very end, which we'll get into more specifics. But I love love that and i i will say saf your counterpart heath made helped me create a button that i wanted to help wanted to make and it was back a couple years ago for a uh, celebration and it was it's it's a play off of uh the keep portland weird uh kind of sticker uh, kind of logo for portland oregon um and i he helped me i wanted to put keep star wars weird uh in in reference to the uh the uh whatever that little place was where uh, Ahsoka and, and Ezra were Ahsoka. You know, oh, Ezra. yeah, yeah. Now, I forgot what uh, time, what is it called? The, the World Between Worlds. World Between Worlds, yeah. So I could not remember that name. But I, I it was a response to that. But I wore that button going into the movie just kind of as a joke because I'm like, I, always, I, I do <laughs> want to keep Star Wars weird. And I left thinking this button is now the most important button I have for Star Aww. Wars. And it, it's, no, it's, it's uh, true. That's, that's really cool. And so, like, for me, I went in because I, again, I have a lot of issues with The Last Jedi and which I love to talk about a little bit later. But, yeah, this movie this gave me everything. Sorry, my dog is barking. Um, Bane. Oh, my God. Bane yeah. has opinions on this yeah, movie. She, she does. She loves the movie. She told me. Um, I told her all about it. She loved it. Uh, so, but, yeah, I, I think this movie is zany. It's wacky. It's, it's, it's crazy. And it builds on myth. And that, to me, is the biggest strength of this movie for me as a Star Wars fan. I... I grew up loving the mytho- mythological ideas of Star Wars and what it represents and just on a very uh, very story-based level. And that was one of my biggest criticisms in The Last Jedi. And this has been rectified. And I, whether it's a shot at Ryan Johnson deliberately or whatever doesn't matter, it You know, what I actually like about that is that people who don't know The Last Jedi can easily read it as, like, a shot at The Last Jedi. And they're like, cool, this is... Like, this movie is the movie I want because I'm like Last Jedi. Whereas, like, people like me who love Last Jedi, um, well, like, I personally find that it builds on Last Jedi really beautifully. Um, like, personally, that's how I found it. 
like for me i was like oh it worked off last year so well so i do appreciate that everyone uh gets their own enjoyment out of that Mm -hmm. we could talk a lot about whether it goes back on the last jedi and i think if you look maybe one thing what one thing i do want to say is that i was right and it did not recon kylo run to be a sith and i was right paul i was right you know it we'll we'll get into that we'll get into that (laughs) i just i think that individual scenes it can be seen to do it that way but the larger themes it does not. But I'm also, frankly, I'm not interested in that question. I'm Yeah, honestly, neither. I, I have an article I'm going to write for 1138 about, like, the Ray arc and how it continues from The Last Jedi, because I find that very interesting um, mm. as a storyteller personally. But otherwise, I'm like, I don't care. Like, I don't care what people think that this relates to The Last Jedi. I'm like, I'm sick of people talking about The Last Jedi at this point. I'm like, we have a new movie. Talk about that. Well, why are you talking about well, The Last Jedi? I will say, this is why you have to talk about The Last Jedi, because the ramifications of The Last Jedi are addressed in this movie. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, story wise, obviously, it it continues after The Last Jedi and it does continue with that story. Um, But also, otherwise, I'm just like, I don't care. No, no. And here's the thing. I want to, for the record, I don't, don't, I'm not saying it, I'm not saying JJ deliberately did this, even though I think it's hard for me not to think that in some cases. But at any rate, for me, the, the issues that I had story-wise that Ryan Johnson did, I felt, I, and I need to watch The Last Jedi again. To me, watching Rise of Skywalker, it justifies maybe not what he did, but at least it eases what that movie a lot more for me. I don't know if it justifies it yet. I think to rewatch it a, a number of times. Mm. No. Again, my opinion. My opinion. Again. <laughs> I feel like it depends on how you approach The Last Jedi and also Rise of Skywalker. Like I feel exactly. like... Yeah. The opinions on that are very personal for people because of the different ways that they've like yes. either exactly. enjoyed the last Jedi or not enjoyed it, or enjoyed Rise of Skywalker or not enjoyed it. So like, absolutely, I feel like it's hard to for anyone to talk about it objectively. Um, mm-hmm. and like and just I in it, yeah. Like I think I'm not a I'm not going to be a person who ever says if you liked this you're a bad person or you're a bad film fan or you have the wrong idea. I I really love seeing people love it and I almost wish I could. So, I'm I don't want to uh, I know that feeling. Yeah, I don't want to take the perspective of like I think you're a fool if you've seen if you, if you've seen this. Let's take that one out of context. <laughs> um, you know. So, but I will say I did not think this movie was weird enough. The places where it could have been weird, it pulled back either because of the rating or because of weirdly I'm the one who's like, "Hmm, what if this movie had been more violent?" Oh. Or oh, I am with you on yeah. all of that, though. Um, I like I love it as it is, and I think it's plenty weird. But like, if it could have been weirder, like it could have had more violence and certain things, like kind of make it more intense. A lot of the places it the ways Ooh, sorry that were about weird that. were ways in which they decided to make things bigger or more, like more numerous, rather than making new things. And I wanted to see new things. It's funny because I think in the con- here's what I would disagree with you, Megan. And then again, I, we gotta get into spoilers, but I'm gonna say this right now. I think that y- you're right. It could get weirder, but considering the context of what it is, which is a mainstream film that is one of the biggest properties in the world, it's pretty dang weird for a commercialized thing. I mean, yeah, compared to like other things, you could be more than that. But yeah, but this isn't David Lynch or anything like that. This is 
a mainstream thing aimed at like children of all ages and the fact mm-hmm. that it gets that weird it, to me again my opinion it gets that weird it's i'm it's pretty daring what they did in my opinion okay in in that context you're right it could always go further but i just think in this in this com- like super commercialized machine i thought it ventured it did pretty it dared pretty pretty big in my opinion we sh- probably should go into spoilers yes. now all right all right the spoilers are happening they are happening now. Um, I Three, always, whenever two, I do that, I always, <laughs> yes, do it, do it. I always want to do it, do it. Three, two, one, spoilers. Ray is a Palpatine. I'm so sorry to my flatmate who hasn't watched the movie yet if I'm, if I'm spoiling it for them. Um, Kylo Ren is dead. Ben Solo is also dead. Yeah, but he was beautiful that, like, brief time that he was, oh, God, I love Ben Solo. Oh, God, I love Ben Solo. So, like, I've been obsessed with Ben Solo since the first movie, and I was, like, waiting. I was, like, Ben Demetra's gonna happen, um, and it's gonna be so good to see him, and he's gonna die. And it happened, and I was just like, I love him. I love this man so much. I, Kylo Ren is, like, he's cool and everything, but Ben Solo is the boy that I love. I I love every in everything that Ben Solo and Kylo Ren are. They are one and the same, and as far as the person and I love I love that character. And to me, he's still my favorite character in the all of of the sequel trilogy. To me, it's it probably is the most justifying thing over all three films as far as from start to finish. Right. I have loved him from the start and I can he has not let me down even in the last Jedi. Right. Again, I'm not a huge fan of as far as overall. Uh, I still love him in that movie because he's a great character and I think that has remained and yeah, I, I love the, the, here's the thing that JJ's did, but besides Ray Palpatine, which we'll get into obviously at some point here in a second, but to me, the biggest thing that for me at worked that I could not believe that I, for me personally, I can't speak for each of one of you, especially you, Megan, but for me, I could not believe that they managed to give us a Ben redemption a bendemption, if you will. And, um, and it actually landed and was really effective and emotional and, and really good. I could, yeah, I was, no, what I, I really liked about that, that is that so many, like a lot of my friends, um, especially in like the podcasting blogging sphere were very much like, they don't like Kylo Ren. Um, and so many of them were like, if Ben gets redeemed, I'm going to be mad about it. And they're like, if Raylo happens, I'm going to be so mad about it. I'll never watch Star Wars again kind of thing. Um, but of an over-exaggeration. So that's why I was so scared when I came out of the movie, because like we got two days earlier here. And so I got to spend those two days terrified that all my friends would hate the movie because I'd seen it first. And I was like, oh God, the discourse is going to suck. And all my friends are going to hate it because they kiss and everything. And then my friends came out and they're like, you know what? I love that movie. And I'm not, I'm even okay with this thing happening because of just how it was written, I guess. Um, like, I mean, there are people who still don't like it for those reasons. But the fact that, like, none of my friends came out hating it for the things that they thought they would hate it for, uh, I feel like speaks well for how they wrote Ben's arc in this. I've seen... No, I don't really want to speak for other people. Um, <laughs> in regards to that, I'm far more interested in Kylo Ren than I am in Ben Solo. And that continued in this movie. If we're talking about the end, okay... I hate the trope of the hero collapsing as soon as she wins. And I can't think of other instances of when it happens, but I know this happens in a lot of media. And I hate it a lot because I want, in order for a scene to feel triumphant, I need to see the character be triumphant. And this was 
I wouldn't say Luke was triumphant in Return of the Jedi, so I keep going back to, well, this is very similar to how it was in Return of the Jedi. Why were why are you content with it then and not now? And I think partially it is because I've seen this before. I've seen this in Return of the Jedi. I want something new. And I hate that Rey collapses. I hate that it's so predictable. It's the hero kind of going on one last journey into the underworld and then coming out again. I wanted to see... I wanted her to be more victorious. And she was. She she won that fight. But the way it was directed and the, the choice of the kiss to be kind of the thing that not that's not the thing that saved her but it was placed as a, the part of the moment that saved her all just i it felt very cliche to me mm. i was also i again i don't care about ben solo it, this movie did not convince me i'm and i'm not saying that i like that we could have like a range right like i love ben uh, Paul loves both, and then you love Kylo. Like, it's good. It's a good <laughs> spectrum of Ben and Kylo yeah. loving. Yeah. And I'm not saying this from a moral perspective. I'm not saying <laughs> I want a character to be evil. I'm saying that I like the themes that Kylo Ren works with. I like that it's about a person basically cosplaying as their own DeviantArt OC and murdering their way to the top of the fashion. <laughs> I do love that. In order to do that. <laughs> ben Solo is not that character. He, like, my favorite thing about him is that he doesn't, like, he doesn't care. He doesn't hold those opinions. Like, he's not a guy who's like, yeah, I'm better than everyone else. Like, authoritarianism is the best way to rule a galaxy. He just wants to be Darth Vader. He doesn't give a shit. I'm he sorry, I did it again. Um, like, but he's like, he wants to have the power and be like the ultimate Sith kind of guy. But like, his main thing is that, like, in this movie at least, he like, he's like, well, I screwed it up, but I guess I could never go back now, so I'm just gonna go all the way with it. And the movie isn't really interested in his relationship to the First Order either. Well, Throughout this movie, he's there's the scene in the boardroom where he chokes the guy. So I guess that counts as his relationship with the First Order. But, but you got to realize, too, that he's trying to keep his power in the First Order. That's the whole reason why we don't see him there. Because he's, he's so actively... We see him operating from a distance to an extent. And I think we got enough of that because ultimately, what does the crawl say? And I, again... The crawl is one of the best in Star Wars. I'll fight anyone. I that opening line, oh my god, speak. I love it. That was when that came up. I was just like, "Oh, this movie is yeah. gonna yeah. be a ride." I was like, "I'm ready. Okay, I'm here." <laughs> yep. yeah. yeah, like the oh. dead speak. Luke Skywalker is dead. I was like, "Oof, this is the good stuff." And yeah. I would agree. This is probably okay. Apart from the Phantom Menaces, which is stupid as hell, and I love it. Um, this is <laughs> my favorite. No, it's it's a favorite crawl. It might be it might be one of my top. I, I, it's funny. I never actually sat down and and read all the crawls and be like, I'm gonna rank the crawls, which now I think I'm going to. So uh, that being said, yeah, the crawl for Rise of Skywalker, I think I think honestly did a phenomenal job building up because you immediately when you get into it with. And again, that's the crawl's job. It's supposed to get you into it. And I feel I feel like the sequel trilogy crawls have all been pretty much like whatever. Especially last Jedi, and not, not Ryan Johnson's fault. That's just because that's he had really no choice where to to put it, right? So, The Force Awakens, I thought was even weaker because it was you have thirty years to set up everything, and it just kind of eh. But with in regards to the Rise of Skywalker, it literally puts you right into it, and you, you're in a context of like, okay, because it says right off the bat, 
Kylo Ren is going to snuff out this where this broadcast is from, and he's pretty much anything that challenges him on his power, he's going to destroy. And that's what is what is. I love that, like this this guy, this like nerd who's yeah, like cosplaying as this Deviantara. So he gets like this broadcast from the ultimate Sith, the Emperor, who like controlled the galaxy for like ages. Right? He took control and controlled it. Ultimate Sith, and he's like, I'm going to fight him. I'm going to kick his ass because I want to be the best one. That's like his first reaction. <laughs> he's he's not like oh. Like, maybe I should learn from him or whatever. Like, with Snoke. He's just like, no, no, no I'm going to kill this guy. Yeah. He's and also that's no just... longer following in just... Vader's footsteps. Because Vader was subservient to Palpatine. And there was never a mm. moment where Kylo Ren was like, oh, I admired Vader and Vader admired you. So I'm going to adm- admire you too. He just threw the Darth Vader thing out the window, apparently. But we don't. But we don't know how much he knew either. And that's the other thing. How the, much see, the did... thing is that he did what we know now is that what he did hear from Vader was just uh, was <laughs> he's called him Snoke and also Sidious. Sidious, that is his name. Yeah, was Palpatine. So yeah. for all we know, like he's been manipulating him to want to kill him so that he could get him there and blah, blah, blah. See, Who knows with him? Point. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. Because, again, we we all know that when Kyle's talking to the uh, Vader helmet, he says, Grand- show me again, grandfather, the power of the, of the, of the dark side. And, and obviously now that. And we, we know reference- that Anakin is a, like was the light side in the end. So like, yeah, like, I mean, from that, the start, okay. I was like, yeah, from the start, I was like, oh, it's probably Snoke or like Sidious in mm-hmm. the background is giving these thoughts to him. Like from the start, I was like, it's obviously not Vader. Um, Despite, like, the, the concept of having, like, a Vader-Anakin, like, force ghost, like, all mixed up. I was like, yeah, but Anakin's light side. Um, he, he, he's very firmly established as a light side character by the end. And, yeah, so, like, finding out was actually Sidious the whole time um, was just, like, very reaffirming to me. Yeah. I was like, yeah, so, Anakin's good. So I feel like, I feel that it makes sense that we haven't literally seen him be, like, the supreme leader, so so to speak, necessarily, because he was too busy trying to figure out, you know, right off the bat, he's trying to stuff out who wants to overtake me. Oh, no, I'm taking that person out. So he was already on top of it. And then we're, we're, again, the genius, I think the genius of the movie, I'm just going to say genius, is that right off the bat, by introducing us to the whole Palpatine thing, we then are, he's already got a mission. Like I've got to get Ray. I've got to figure this out. Cause right now it's way bigger than I even realized. And he sees his opportunity to again, because, because again, we're going to say it right now. Raylo exists, which I never thought. <laughs> Raylo is in would, game. Yeah. Hey, I, I honestly never... did not. But the thing I like that's established in this trilogy is that people can just kiss and it doesn't end up being soulmates. Um, I mean, it's also in the original trilogy. <laughs> Oh god. With Luke yeah. and Leia. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh my gosh. Also, I'm kinda like I I like it. It's cute. Like their little like laugh is really cute. Ray's smile is really cute. And I'm like, oh it's cute. They have a little moment. Netflix. It's not gonna last. They had such sibling energy though. With they the do. moment. And also like I love they put the it out with someone framed together where you can see both of them. But I was like, they they have such sibling energy. Don't do but, it. Don't be well, Raylo. Luke and Leia. Raylo Luke and Leia and are her. siblings. Just saying, but, it's established in the fiction that this happens already. Um, but also, like the theory, like the the theory that uh, Palpatine made Anakin and everything. I'm like, eh, that's the case, and they kind of are related. Yeah, this here's <laughs> yeah. here's the deal. Uh, I, I Kylo and her, you could say that, but for real, the way Adam and and Daisy played their characters of Ben and Ray at the very end, it felt. 
that felt like legitimate like there was a chemistry like a like a real real like romantic chemistry i felt it which i never thought i, I never felt it with kylo ren i and, and that's what's so weird i, I guess now looking it's back it was ben. Ben. yeah no exactly that's the genius of adam driver he like because so it's like it's like at charming. the end of um yeah like by the end of return of the jedi right vader is not vader anymore he's anakin yeah um yeah. and i feel like by the end of this he's not kylo ren anymore he's he's not ben, yeah. which is like a thing a disagreement i have with people a lot about star wars is that i'm like the dark side is an actual physical manifestation like it's a physical force that can twist people and change them like we don't have an analogy for that in the real world because people doing that people making bad choices but in star wars it's an actual thing um and so the idea of vader and anakin being two different people like i mean comes across in how anakin appears as a force ghost right um because as a force ghost he goes back to being the anakin that we know and love uh if you're watching the new the newer versions of the movies of course uh like the mcclunky version and like (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry i had to do that and this is something i've always like talked about um i even wrote an article about israel like a million years ago and how him and Anakin's like journeys kind of intersected because of the way the dark side of the force works. Um, and I feel like, <sighs> I feel like people don't get that. And they're like, Oh no, Kylo Ren is just like an, a normal human man who is struggling and making bad choices. They're like, no, the dark side is there. It's real. It's a thing. And also, so a city is, so yes, it's real and a thing who's manipulating him. Um, at least that's how something I've always felt with Star Wars. And so I feel like Ben and Kylo Ren, like, they're the same person, obviously, but they are also two different people. Like, even Han at some point says, Kylo Ren is dead. Um, which is the opposite, like, mirrors, uh, it rhymes with The Force Awakens when (laughs) he's, like, Ben is dead now because of what he did. How do you feel about Rey touching the dark side in this, this movie? Oh, I kind of like it. Because I've always felt with Rey is that she, especially like the the last Jedi, kind of leans into it a bit as well. Like she's kind of, she's she hasn't grown up like knowing anything about the Force really, right? Like she's just tapping into her instincts. But the things she's doing, she's always trying to help people, and she's like everything she does mm-hmm. is to try and help people. Um, it's not even for selfish reasons, right? Like that was part of Anakin's fall was that he wanted to help people, but they were for selfish like attachment reasons. He was like, I don't want to lose Padme, um, like part of it was because you know he wants to save padme because she's cool um but part of it is also like he does not want to lose padme he can't handle losing padme he can't handle losing the things he's got whereas ray i feel like ray could like have saved chewie and walked away from chewie and been like if it's safer for him i will leave kind of thing and anakin could never have done that and so like when she did tap into that i was like oh god um but at the same time i never really feared that she was going to fall into that because <sighs> is what i'm saying making sense i've had no sleep um but she can tap into it, but she's never doing it for bad reasons. And I think part of it was for her to push mm-hmm. her to a point where she actually had to like think about the way she engaged with the force and mm-hmm. herself and stuff. Um, and like again, she doesn't use it at the end. Like when she has an opportunity to do it, she she doesn't um, because mm-hmm. there's lightning happening, and she doesn't use it. She she fully goes like Jedi in that. Um, and so I think part of that was her. I mean, it's the story is also a coming of age story for her as well, in a way. Um, and part of that is also dealing with uh, doing things that have consequences because you think you're doing the right thing and it doesn't quite work out. Um, I really liked which the... it does happen in the Last Jedi, but I feel this kind of helped push her even more to being like, oh no, I need to do good. I need to actually like uh, m- make the choices that will be good. Mm-hmm. 
I really liked the moment where she heals the snake creature. And oh, I where, love that. And I actually did like the moment where she thinks that she killed Chewbacca because I was like, oh man, here's like a really like a big display of force power. And then a moment where Rey is going to really have to live with the consequences of her actions and have to deal with like some uh, sort of true darkness inside her. And we see that in the beginning with BB-8 too, which is like, oh man, like you don't hurt BB-8. But then you find out that she was alive and that the dark element of her comes from Palpatine and or and that Ren encouraged it too. So in a way, it wasn't really from Rey at all. And I felt those two facts really undermined what could have been a moment of discovery for her. The movie later went, well, actually, that wasn't you doing that at all. And also the person you thought you hurt is fine. I do kind of relate to that in a way. Um, gonna go into a little bit of personal stuff here, uh, but I got diagnosed with a mood disorder this year. Bipolar. It's fun. Um, and the whole thing of like lashing out in a way that like hurts someone else, and you don't mean to do it because um, you're trying. You're trying so hard to not be a bad person, right? Um, and then you do something that hurts someone, and then in the end, like it may not actually have hurt them that much. Like they're okay with it because. They understand the context or whatever, but you still forever, like, you have that forever in you. It's like, I could have hurt this person in this way um, by being like this. And for me, that's what drove me to find a diagnosis and get it treated. Um, And so when she did that, I very much personally related to that whole bit that she had there. Even when you find out that he's okay, like, I was just like, oh, shaken, because I was like, if I was a force user, maybe I would have done the same thing. Who knows? Um, Mm -hmm. Because... Yeah, like for me, that's why I really like like that yeah. because for me it resonated, and I understand like your your point of view is extremely true as well. And I understand yours too because in the when that scene first happened, I felt exactly not exactly the same way, but I felt this is an important lesson that someone you can still be a heroic person even though you mess up, and like sometimes you will hurt people around you, and you can still move move forward from that. But the part that then kind of undermined that for me was the idea that actually it was Ren influencing her and it was Palpatine influencing her. And we're going to take all these interesting themes that could be about Rey and we're going to make them about Rey's a blank slate, except for the when she's being puppeted by other people. And I don't think uh, she was. Yeah, what I would have liked. Guys, but... I'm really confused. What part are we? Where are you guys talking? What part specifically are you talking? The lightning about? I'm on lost. the on the planet oh, when okay, she uses okay, the lightning okay, to destroy okay, the shuttle. Okay, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Um. One thing I would have liked is her to have like an interaction with Chewie after that about it. Like Chewie doesn't necessarily know that she thought she killed him, but like her t- talking to him about it and like having a little moment would have been nice. I think. See the pro. Here's the problem, though. And again, this goes back to my deal criticism. The problem is this movie has so much going on that you don't have time to do all that. In a perfect world, honestly, J.J. Abrams would have done the whole trilogy, and this movie could have been spread out over two films. I'm just being honest. And instead, he's like trying to wrap everything. Right, right, whatever. Like just, and this movie just, <laughs> just really could have been like two films, literally split in half, and you could have done. It would have been, and it would have been great. I would have loved that. I would have loved the nine point two or whatever, or episode nine point two. Uh, we are not doing Kingdom Hearts numbering here. It should have been episode ten, okay? <laughs> episode ten. <laughs> yeah, that, that's fine, and that'd be fine. That'd be kind of cool, actually. Uh, but that being said, I, I, 
I, I totally get your guys' criticisms and everything, but for me, it works because again, you don't have again in 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 the context of the film itself, you don't have a time to like get to do those things. You've got to get into the next thing. You got to get into the next thing. And to me, I feel that to the the story they wanted to tell again in the context of the commercialized idea, because again, we're we're thinking about this not just for people like us who are hardcore Star Wars fans. People like my parents who are just average Star Wars fans, they need, they need to, you know, get behind this. I think that's the one thing we, I think, as as hardcore fans, including myself, I, I always forget that this is not always meant for for us directly to an extent. It's we got to incorporate mm-hmm. all the the regular people too, and I just don't think there's enough time to like give to give these to give those moments that you like you were saying about Megan. And I totally get it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. For me, I I think that there's there's consequences and i like the idea that ray was being pushed beyond her bounds and that, that she is there are things about her that are she can you know she can go to the dark and to to praise the last jedi for a moment what does luke tell her in the last jedi you know you went straight to the dark and and there was there's a you know she has a natural dark side to her and i think that you know even Luke didn't have a natural dark side to himself necessarily. Anakin did, mm-hmm. but I don't think Luke necessarily yeah. did. So I think, yeah, go ahead. Well, go. that's a good point because I'm very quick to respond to that with, yeah, but it was because of Palpatine. It wasn't because of Ray. But the way you framed it right there, I think emphasized like it was still Ray's character, and like Luke does not have inherent darkness in him because he was Anakin's son. Then we get into all these details of like, well, does the dark side skip a generation? And those are not interesting questions at all for anyone. <laughs> um, so I, I, do like, here. <laughs> I do like the way you frame it there. I can sometimes be too quick to like say, well, this thing Ray did didn't count because it was under influence of this other thing. But the fact is that every human is affected by every other human and that's just yeah. how stories work. I, I have one other, I have a couple, like, another criticism that I think will segue into something, and then I'm going to try to be less critical for a while, which is, I don't really feel that Ray being a Palpatine, and we got to talk more about Palpatine later, but I don't really feel that her being a Palpatine adds to her story It also felt very um, mechanical to me because there are two scenes that had a convenient person asking what her last name was. Two different scenes in which someone just happens to walk up to her and say, Yeah, I didn't love that. Especially the first one. The first one I was like, "Mm, that's a bit, that's a bit much. And both times. The second one I was like, that's kind of cute. Like, it's cliched, kind of cute. I'm into it. But the first one I was just like, "Mm, you're setting something up here, I can tell. Not that, yeah, and not that Star Wars dialogue is ever natural, but it felt so unnatural. And couldn't Finn or Poe have asked that question? Wouldn't it have added to the story of the trio if Finn or Poe were invested in the answer, rather than these random characters? Mm, yeah, exactly. Um, so, overall, like, I agree the thing with I that. I want to segue into there is like, how do you feel about Ray being a Palpatine and then Ray being okay. a Skywalker? It's like I have yeah. thoughts. I have thoughts. This is actually what I want to write an article on. So uh, I hope we don't have huge crossover and audiences there. Um, but one thing I actually really liked about Ray's arc for me is how it built on the Last Jedi. Because in the Last Jedi, she her arc in that very much 
helps her come to terms with like she had childhood trauma her parents are gone they were nobody um and that she she is the only person she can like like she is the most important person to herself right like she is the person that she finds when she's looking for her past um and because she's always been there for herself right like she from the start she is a very strong kid being abandoned at like six years old and being coming who she is um and i find that very good like i love that um and by the end of that she's like found family these are this is my family um and something that like i mean i feel like she needed to have that to have the arc she has in this because when she finds out she's a palpatine like the first thing she's like gonna she's like i'm gonna go kill my grandpa because he's the worst kind of thing <laughs> i love that both her and kylo are like i'm gonna go kick this old dude's ass um it's so Stop good swearing uh, uh, is that a swear word? Uh, stop okay, we're going to kick this old dude's butt. Um, it's okay, we'll put some chopper dro- sounds over me. We'll uh, fix it in post. I don't even know. Fix it in post. Whatever. <laughs> we'll get back to it. <laughs> um, but I feel like she needs that to get to where she is right at the end um, when she's kind of confronted with this man being her grandfather. And he even like he even builds on that himself. He's like, when he's trying to convince her to like join him and kill him or whatever, he he's like, you have no family. Right. And then he even goes like, your family up there is going to die if you don't do this. Like he understands that these, this is her family. She's found a different family and that's her family. Like he doesn't try and play on, Oh, I'm your grandfather. And you've always been looking for your family, even though he clearly knows this is a thing. He, he recognizes that she does not see herself as that she she probably will never see herself as that, um, but that she has found a family and the only way to try and turn her is to make it the only way to save them, right? Which is part of the whole thing mm-hmm. of like, she she could be dark side, but she does it for the good reasons. Um, just like Luke did. Just like Luke did, exactly. Um, like, <laughs> my friends are my power kind of thing. Uh, also, like, um, earlier on, there's the whole thing of like, your parents chose to be nobody, which means that like they made the active choice to not be that family, right? And I feel like that is important. Like bloodline, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's it's a thing everyone talks about. But the choices people have made in these movies to be who they are, I feel is very important. And the fact that her parents were like, no, we don't want to be related to this guy. We don't want to be part of this legacy. We don't want to do dark side. We want to protect our daughter and make sure that she can grow up to be who she is. Um I feel like that choice is important. And so Ray being a nobody in The Last Jedi kind of like reinforces her parents' decision, right? Like what they did worked. They they her dad wanted to give that to her and she got that and that's how she became so powerful. And then my favorite bit is at the end when she's fighting Palpatine and he's like, You can't beat me, you're just a scavenger kind of thing. And like mm-hmm. straight away, like as soon as she will not recognize that she is part of his family and that she will not be part of this whole thing, he instantly goes back to who she is, right? She's a nobody, she's a scavenger, she's she's just this girl who can't do anything. And then she beats him, right? And she doesn't beat him because she's a Palpatine, she beats him because she has chosen to be a Jedi, because she's chosen to be part of this family, because she chose to be part of Luke and Leia's life, right? Um, and mm-hmm. so I feel like at the end when she chooses to be a Skywalker and it's with their blessing, right? Like they're both there being like, come on girl, do it. You know, you want to, um, so I would like to be an Organa, but you know, nobody's ever going to do that. Um, I feel like that's also important because not only is it a big F you to her actual bloodline, um, and like this guy who screwed up her entire life and everything. Uh, but it's also such an important like legacy thing for who she chose to be and the family she ended up finding. I really like that reading of it. 
Yeah. I, Sorry. I yeah. I I've had this thought in my brain for like since I saw the movie the first time, and I'm like, I need to get this out somewhere. That's you know, Ray or Ray Palpatine was a complete surprise. And also, it's weird. Yeah, it's wild, and I love it. It's so yeah, stupid. It's and so, my favorite yeah. thing. My favorite thing <laughs> yeah, is that it's wild. some people joke like when the first movie came out, there was there were jokes like, um, Jay Admiral Jello who writes for Liam Thirty Eight was like, she's a Palpatine. She's gonna be a Palpatine, and everyone was like, "Jay, you just you just love Palpatine. Shut up!" And then Jay messaged me after he saw the movie, and he was like, "Oh my god, I was right the whole time." Uh, and that is my favorite thing is when people people are accidentally right about these things. I I think Ray Palpatine works on a lot of different levels, and I think that I was listening to Chris Terrio talk about who wrote co-wrote the movie with with JJ Abrams, and one of the things they talked about was that they wanted to combine all all the films together. And we talked about how making her a Palpatine really would make her, it would be, cause she always wanted to be, she always wanted to be part of the story, but and that's the thing they did. They made her a part of the story that she would never ever want to be a part of a, a part of a line that was awful. And again, overcoming mm. that is a, is a big deal. And he talked about how, because you know, they, they acknowledge what Ryan was doing, but they also said that like for them, that Star Wars is mythology and that because they're tying everything together, it made sense to have these two houses that were basically at odds with each other to kind of collide. Now there's a lot of, a lot of damage you could do with that because of we, we don't, we didn't knew nothing about Palpatine. In fact, I, for the longest time, I thought they were going to reveal that she was just basically a test thing that, that Palpatine was working on that, that was stolen from him. Oh, and I'm so him. glad that they didn't do that. You know, I, I, I prefer that personally, to be, to be honest, because I, cause the only reason why I prefer that is because we have no context of what his long lost son is. Now, that being said, what I have yeah, got but that's removed. But hold, hold on, hold on. Yeah, yeah. No, hold one on, thing on, is, is snap, 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 no, 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 this is not a serious thing. I just need to say it. Right. <laughs> we know that someone decided to sleep with Palpatine, and that just is oh, that's, that's wild. That, that, it's that, wild. That, Sorry, okay, I just had to that, say that. that's a good point. That. That's, a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. So here's that's real, a good point, that and that is, is point. Star Wars is better off with that. And but, <laughs> see, here's, but here's but here's the genius of the ambiguity that you don't know, and I say genius because it, there's it's a problem, but it's genius because now they don't have to tell that story. They don't have to worry about that problem. They can say, you know what, Star Wars, Lucasfilm, you can figure that out. And that's kind of cool because now they can retcon any kind of idea or what kind of whatever they want to do with this supposed son that he has. They can create that son any way they want to, Seth. Like you said, like him sleeping with someone and or whatever, it sounds weird. And or even but again, if there was, because he says, you know, dark side leads a lot of things, you know, a lot of ways that people consider to be unnatural or whatever. Right now you can really play on that and say, who is the son? How was he created? Was he created through what was, again, was he, was he trying to create a Ray with his son, but it didn't happen. Maybe because the force didn't react that way. And because it wasn't the right time or whatever. And then he kind of goes, Oh, you're worthless to me and tosses him aside. There's so many different angles. You could go with this that I feel that, it's yeah, it's it's definitely a criticism. I think a, a valid criticism that you could say about that going that direction. But that being said, now Lucasfilm and the story group or whoever they can tailor the story any way they want to now, and they don't have to come up with it right there because they didn't touch it. 
So now it's a fresh storyline that you can address in books, comics, or whatever. And you don't have to worry about as far you or you can take all the time you want to develop that idea. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Sorry, I was distracted. I've been reading The Rise of Kylo Ren while we were podcasting. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're good. And so I, I just, for me, the, the kind of talk about Ray, uh, Ray Palpatine. So for me, I just didn't know if you wanted to say anything about that uh, or whatever, mm-hmm. but but go ahead. Sorry. I'm going. You, it's better to, if you can't say anything nice, to say nothing at all. That, that's fair. <laughs> so, as far as Ray Palpatine, it is really bonkers and it's so out of left field that it works for me. And that, that to me is why, excuse me, that to me is why I think this movie ultimately works is because it is it is really is takes a lot of things from left field and 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 takes ideas and is daring with them because it is to introduce a son of of Palpatine and or a granddaughter of Palpatine that's a big deal and it is and it to me it makes that moment where she says or she takes the name Skywalker which is obviously ter- telegraphed from the very start of this title and with with that being said it makes a lot of sense and it makes it more powerful to me. It really does. And I know I'll, I think like a lot of people have said that you could do all those things and not have her be a Palpatine. I get it, but I love what Chris Terrio and JJ Abrams were thinking, bringing that mythology and the idea of these two different houses, these two things that were at odds against each other and how they kind of crisscross with each other and how like Seth beautifully put honestly about the idea that she rejects it's it's more powerful that she rejects this this thing that that told that she was, it was telling her that I'm your only thing that matters basically I'm the only only thing that you have she ultimately takes the thing that that, that he rejected or he hated and it is it is beautiful that fact that she found the connection with that and there is a lot to me it just makes a lot of sense and I, the more I thought about it, because the first time it's very jarring. You're like, what? At least when you first hear about it, whether you read the spoilers or you've read or you watched the movie, it's a very jarring thing. And when I got there, I was like, wait a minute, what? And now the second time I saw it, it worked even better for me that I, I really bought into it. And I, I, though I understand the criticism of, again, going back to the, how does this granddaughter even get, how do we get to this point? To me, 
I am excited to get to that to that idea, but ultimately it works because Ray being that powerful, it makes a lot more sense now. And I feel that, again, the whole dyad in the force, it builds off the mythology. And I like that idea. And I, I love how people have said, you know, we don't have to have a powerful bloodline to be a powerful Jedi and be a hero. I get that. Like, that is that is not the issue with this with with or that's not the message, I think, in Star Wars. This is not a overall the message in Star Wars is not that anyone can be a hero. The Star Wars Skywalker saga specifically, that is strictly a myth our modern mythological story. Mm, and that, sort that's of, it. And it's a sort of Romeo and Juliet story, not in the romance sense, although I guess arguably this one is actually a tragic romance. Right, right. But also the sense of like two great houses alike in dignity, that bit. Right. No, exactly. Um, I the Ray Palpatine was just one more thing on top of too many things that were not believable to me, even in the sense of like Star Wars has always been unrealistic. And I'm sure there were people saying this around Return of the Jedi too. Um, there have always been people saying like, why did they just do the Death Star twice? And But it oh, was yeah. a whole line of things of Ray's a Palpatine, Han Solo is back, even though he's not a Force ghost. Every Star Destroyer is a Death Star now. It was just too many wild things in a row for me. I the Death Star was wild about... for sure, or, or the Star Destroyer yeah. was definitely wild. That was it bad. Was... Operation Cinder is in a different context now because we know that apparently Palpatine's long-term plan was to just totally rule by fear. I mean, we always knew that from the beginning, but. To the extent of, like, every Star Destroyer we have is going to be able to sit above a planet and you will know that you can destroy that whole planet with the touch of a button. Like, I do feel that follows from the things we've seen about Operation Sender in Battlefront 2 and in Alphabet Squadron. So I'm really quite happily tucking that into my little nest of of, uh, Sender-type post-Return of the Jedi-type headcanons. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm with you on that. Well, we're talking about... I do want to talk about some of the things that I liked. Um, I really liked both Janna and Zori. I think were good additions. They, those I'm torn because those are characters who um, a lot of side characters in Star Wars, usually roles like that will go to men. And I'm glad they went to women this time around, even though there was also like questionable things about were they put in there because too many people were shipping Finn and Poe together and we needed to make sure that we knew that Finn and Poe were attracted to women. So I think there's two readings of that from a social perspective, both of which are significant. But I just thought they were both really charming characters. I love Carrie Russell. I think um, her and Ray had a really charming dynamic for the really oh, quick scene they were so they cute. It yeah, showed how well, earnest Ray was, and it showed yes. how much like Zori appreciated that as well. Yeah, because Zori is this kind of like hard spice runner person, and she's like, "Like you're not gonna care about this." And Ray is a ray of sunshine and says, "I do care." And meanwhile, they've got weapons pointed at each other, and it's perfect. And I just thought Jana was really cool. The movie didn't go quite so far to say that it's a stormtrooper rebellion, but they were a stormtrooper rebellion and she clearly recognized Finn. Um, I thought Zori and the space horses were some of the best visuals in the movie. I really liked her costume and um, her dynamic with Finn was nice. They also gave me like big sibling energy, even though I don't yeah, think they I were got that. related. No, I don't think they were related, but I think the whole idea of like, 
siblings of like the first order i guess um and and wooding yeah kind of that like they were like stolen trained and then rebelled basically and like they felt that calling to leave and i feel like that was um both like a hint at finn's force sensitivity which is cool um but also like just the good in people like even these people who got basically indoctrinated growing up um i like that finn found other people who'd done it too because i feel like that also gives him kind of like more uh like he's always kind of been alone in the way that nobody else has done what he's done right um and i feel like that gives him like a foundation that he's like oh I wasn't alone. There were other people that also fought against this, even if my friends didn't, or friends, you know, like his his other stormtroopers and his uh, squad didn't do that. And he probably always felt super alone because of that. And then finding this, like this cool gal who's also like, we did it, all of us did it, probably also gave him a lot of hope in the First Order. People in the First Order could be good. Be good and also leave the First Order, not be good in the First Order. The fact that there was a whole crew of them was really nice. I I feel that Janna was totally underutilized, and I feel that a lot of her scenes probably were cut out. It seems very because she didn't really do much. And mm. but I, I love think, Zori. Well, the Zori problem was, is that like, like I feel like Zori and Janna probably both had like bigger ideas for where they would go, but the movie ended up needing to have be much more concise. Um, so well, I do I, imagine that we'll get stuff with them in the expanded universe. But it does suck that we didn't get like I agree, Janna was underutilized i mean so was rose which frustrates me because i love rose so much um yeah, i don't know yeah and i, I feel I, like all three of them could have oh, i would have loved them to have more screen time mm-hmm. I, I thought zori i thought zori was i liked zori a lot i thought she was way more interesting just because like she never took her helmet off and you only saw her eyes and i thought that was kind of an interesting idea that you don't really know what she fully looks like and and again i thought it was a, a pretty good like idea I'm like oh wow like usually you know the normal way would be to take the helmet off and be like come with me but no she doesn't like it's so you only see her from a, a certain point of view so I, I thought that was very interesting and kind of a, a cool decision to do again not the typical uh decision decision people would normally normally do but Jana, i thought it was interesting she had a you know there's a connection between her and finn and it just kind of uh, just kind of drifts off and doesn't really matter and speaking of finn uh i love Every the fact we're actually getting a force sensitivity or idea yes. from this, and where, but where was this in the last movie? And that's the thing that's so frustrating. It's like this is a great, this was so so to me it was evident in the Force Awakens, but it wasn't picked up in the Last Jedi. I was just kind of like, what's that Finn just be out and Rose to draw off this really silly side adventure, and then it's picked up again here where it's actually oh yeah this thing that was actually cool and, and whatnot. Let's bring it up again. I I I feel we missed an idea to like what's I wish he was more of a Jedi in this movie. Like maybe he was a Jedi in training. I really wish we I had don't know. I don't know. Like it's to me. I feel like his story wasn't meant to be a Jedi. Um oh, but God. maybe it will be like in the future, Literally. right? But also it wouldn't have worked for the whole like mythology of Luke and the Last Jedi and everything to also be like, oh yeah, and also this guy's force sensitive too. Um but the struggle they're, they're dealing with, with random, Yeah. And how traumatic like everything is um during that movie. Like Maybe he does have that, but he's just a worker from a coma too. Um, and my biggest, like, yeah, you're like, oh yeah, the last year I didn't have it. This movie didn't actually confirm it. Like, there's that. I mean, it's obvious because it's about as obvious as Leia is in the original trilogy. I um, disagree. It's not obvious at all in Last Jedi. He's a he's bumbling. No, 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 no. I'm saying in this movie. In this oh movie, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sorry, but the problem yeah. is that like it drops that. 
like it gives you that but like he's and he's like oh i want to tell Agreed. like ray i want to okay. tell you this thing and then they never actually confront that in the end he never talks mm, to ray about it she never weird. talks about yeah. it and i found that really like obviously things got cut because it was long and blah 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 um but that really that really uh didn't butter in my buns i don't know i, I never remember the actual another... phrase i want there Another case of the movie moving very fast. I'm glad there was a confirmation. I was a little disappointed that he doesn't get to use a lightsaber again. Like, Ray hands him I his do lightsaber, love the lightsaber. That her first reaction. I do love that she just gives it to him and he's like, yeah. Like, yeah. oh, their friendship in this is so damn good. And that moment, I was like, she trusts him so much. And he's just, like, I, ready to just hold her saber and let her heal this thing. <laughs> I'm such a Finn Ray shipper. I am too. I'm with you. I'm with you. (laughs) There were so many moments. And I was like, they are so cute. And I like the trio too. I like the idea of like the fact that it was the emphasis was on the three of them as friends, not any one romance. I do like that. Um, Even though I also support Finn Poe being more, being like a large, a more visible gay ship in the movies. But I also was rooting for Finn and Ray just from my heart. My heart loves what it loves, and it's Finn and Ray and Ben and Poe. I can't help it, okay? Um, (laughs) (laughs) And when I first was like, oh, Ray, I never told you this thing. And I was like, oh, my God, are they going to be in love? And then eventually I was like, oh, no, it's a false sensitivity. But that first moment, I was like, oh, my God, are they actually going to do it? And then they didn't. And I was like, okay, that's fair. I I understand it. I live in the imagined place in my heart where it's after the movie. Ray Skywalker is training a new generation of Jedi. Finn is one of them, and he's not. He's a Jedi um consular the ones who focus on i think it's consular they focus on force abilities specifically and things like healing and things like seeing visions he's not necessarily one that focuses on lightsaber combat or on more aggressive uses of the force he's a very like internal monkish kind of person and i just will keep that headcanon close to me even though i don't think canon is gonna give it to me the this trilogy has emphasized the idea of kind of non-traditional uses of the force or the force as something that impacts people who are not just jedi or sith or even basically people that can't use telekinesis still have force to a degree and I have mixed feelings about that, but in this case especially, I found it really sweet that Finn, that manifested for him in a way that was particular to him, and we got a confirmation of that. Those are all my feelings about Finn. I agree with those feelings a lot. So, um, that's about all that I have. Are are we missing anything big? We talked about Raylo, we talked about Ray Palpatine, we talked about Palpatine's plan, um, we didn't talk about... We didn't talk about the fact that there was like a video on Twitter of the cast talking about like the powerful ships in it. And Abrams is like, nobody talks about uh, Poe Ren. And I was like, oh, I do, JJ. I do. Um, <laughs> and that was very exciting to me. JJ Abrams acknowledged that ship being a thing. And I was like, one of us. Um, unimportant to the movie at all, but I found that very cool. <laughs> also, yeah, um, the movie did finally have gay characters in Star Wars. And one thing I did like, I mean, it's like two seconds and they'll probably cut it for like certain areas because they wanted it to not be like, they want it to be not censored. I mean, not censored, but like not shown in other places, you know, but, but I do like that one thing was a random side character that like didn't exist or whatever, but the other one was actually a character that like, you know, had a name and had an art, like she was there in um, last year. I actually really liked her as well. And also the fact that both her and Holdo are like, canonized like in canon canonized um queer characters i just like the idea that leia surrounds herself with these powerful queer women in the resistance Mm -hmm. um 
I did find that very cute. I was the person wooing in the cinema at that. Oh, you had said your theater reacted a certain way. Oh, yeah. What was that story? It was the kiss. It was absolutely both times. Uh, the entire cinema was like, ugh, uh, edit. <laughs> and I found that extremely funny. Um, no person clapped, no person wooed. It was just the entire cinema was, was just like, ugh. I was really hoping for a woo. So I went to two screenings. I went to a press screening on Tuesday and a like the premiere of the public screening on Thursday. The press screening was actually much louder there there were a lot of people reacting with woos there were a lot of laughter there were a lot of like confused noises like people going huh (laughs) and i was also a lot of times going huh and then the (laughs) second screening i went to everybody was very quiet and there were a couple like kind of quiet laughter during the kiss but it was mostly very quiet and i was a little disappointed in that i went to this what i think of as a wild new york city theater for the public premiere i am a humble rural person and the idea of a movie theater on any floor of a building other than the first is already a wild and confusing prospect to me oh i understand that very well (laughs) but this theater was in a skyscraper all of the walls were shiny silver. There was a hotel Whoa. lobby with like Christmas trees and pink lighting. There was a weird stairway that looked kind of like an art piece. It had these big black columns on it and a sort of sickly green color. There was a station where you could get your makeup done for $25 if you were going to a corporate event and had not done your makeup on the way. And then the movie theater was like two stories above that. So I just wanted to frame, to like give you an image of the scenario in which I saw this movie, which was this very, to me, I think there are, I mean, I know this because I've seen movies many times in New York City. There are many theaters that share buildings with other uh, businesses and that have other things on other floors and they are on the fourth floor, but I'm still not used to it. The two skyscrapers are very close to each other, and there's an overhang, so it looks like you're walking into a shining silver alleyway in a tunnel between two beautiful skyscrapers. I felt like I was on Coruscant. That is my tangent. That is so cool. That's a good way to see that movie. It was appropriate. The bummer you didn't like it more, though. It's... Okay, I think... So my theory that I think is was a hot take, but I, I'm doubling down on it. I think it's true, is that The Rise of Skywalker was intended to create a general feeling of goodwill towards Star Wars. Like, you come out of it going like, I love the whole saga because I've seen this movie. And even though I had a lot of problems with the the creation of the movie itself, I came out with that feeling. I came out with, I love Star Wars. I love that universe. I love seeing it with my friends. And that's a success for what it was trying to do. That, that's good. I, it, it, like, like I said, it sounds like you had a really fancy like theater experience. And like, you know, it, it, you always, I always, even when I go in like special events or whatever, I always hope that like things are going to work out, the, you know, to the way I want them to in some and ways. That was and... the second time I'd seen it. Mind oh, you. was the second time? Oh, okay, cool. A first floor, also in a very tall building, but it was a first floor, like more normal theater the first right. time. Yeah, because I went to. You know what? 
I'm not even in a rural town anymore, and I can't even imagine like a cinema not being on the first floor of a place, <laughs> like <laughs> in a tall building. I'm just like, how does that work? Where does the movie go? But obviously, it works. My little <laughs> brain can't understand it. This it's weird. I feel like isn't the I was telling my housemate about this. This is the the cinema critique portion of our podcast. If you're listening this far, thank you. I was telling my housemate about this, and she goes. She in a joking way, not a serious way, but like she goes, "Isn't the screen too heavy?" And that's how I feel about going that's to see I a movie know. on a higher floor. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly how I feel as well. <laughs> I had seen, so I did want to kind of give a shout out because via Den of Geek, I did get a press screening on Tuesday. So thank you to Disney for providing both myself and um, some of our other editors press screenings, which was very cool. They took my cell phone away. They were extremely adamant about no one having phones and people continued to have phones even after they had given this announcement like four times and that was not cool but it was really good that was the first time i'd ever been to an early screening of a star wars movie so it was great and the person who was making the announcements because there was no trailers it was just someone came out and made an announcement about the movie and she kept calling it the performance and i was very touched by that i felt like it was a personal stage performance for me because of that (laughs) that's so cute before we wrap up this episode i do have one thing that i want to briefly touch on which is um all the jedi basically um and cameos and stuff the yeah the voices just i just want to acknowledge and appreciate the fact that Adi galia is there and i was so excited by hearing her voice that i missed every single other jedi except for anakin um and so i was like (laughs) grabbing my friends i was like oh my god it's Adi galia and they're like who who the heck is that like never heard of this character before in my life kind of thing and i was like she's the best i love her so much which is what i do right i just le- latch on to random jedi that nobody cares about that appear in, like the background of a scene or they just mention their name once like oh cypher diaz did this thing um <laughs> but i heard her name and i got really excited and i saw her in the credits like oh my god it's her and i was so focused on that i missed all the other jedi and the second time around i was like wait no surely ahsoka's in there right and Lo and behold, Ahsoka's voice was there. I heard it the second time. And I heard Mace Windu's voice. And I heard all these other voices. And I was so excited by that. I actually took a photo of the credits. Because by that point, the lights are on, right? It's fine. So I took a photo of the, the actors and the Jedi that were there. And, oh, God. I just really love the... Because uh, I was like, if Ahsoka's in this movie, I will lose. I will lose my mind. Like, it's never going to happen. But I will lose my mind. And then she was, mm-hmm. in a way... They- her legacy was there. Her legacy is like part of Obi-Wan and the Qui-Gon and Anakin's lineage was there. And that was really cool. And also Kanan was there, which continues that lineage kind of because she also worked as like a mentor for Kanan. Worked. Became yes. a mentor for Kanan. Like that whole legacy of all these characters. Because it goes like, yeah, from like Yoda and Mace and all this stuff. And it was, oh God. I'm you so tell glad Kanan was there. It. I wanted to see Hera so badly and I did Same. not. But Kanan was there. And the yes. fact that Kanan was there makes me think that it is Hera in that ghost. Um, oh, yeah, the ghost was there. So. The ghost was there. Just like in Rogue One, the ghost was there. Yeah, I just, I love that a bit because it was like an acknowledgement of the original trilogy and the prequels and the animated shows and just everything that's kind of gone into Star Wars. And, ugh, ugh, love it. If Hera's flying the ghost... Who's flying? Who's commanding the Lodestar? Is she commanding it from the ghost? What if, uh, what if, whatever his name is, uh, Jason's flying the ghost? Ooh. Yeah. That's a good idea, son. too. Yep. I'm, and I, 
I'm really looking forward to seeing what the expanded universe does with this movie. Now that we know what's happening, we still don't know exactly, what Project Luminous is, but there's room for more stories to come out around this now. The well, fact I... that it's out, like, that's what I was so excited about when I left it. I was like, oh my god, I cannot wait for all the ancillary material that comes from this, because I've not been super psyched about ancillary material for a while, because, mm-hmm. like, nothing that came out was really my jam, except for obviously Alphabet Squadron. Um, so I've been kind of like, eh about everything like the books and stuff that come out i'm just like whatever it's star wars uh but the idea of books now or comics or anything really that comes out now that we have this movie out and they can build upon the entire trilogy like oh my god it's so exciting there could be some really cool stuff like we get stuff about like snoke and sidious and um (laughs) i don't know why those are the first two i come up with like even like sorry bliss or rose like any of the characters could get more stuff there's going to be so much to build on now this is like this is this could be the golden days that the original trilogy had between that and the prequels and the original trilogy had happened and there was all the ancillary material that happened. Um, like, we could get that now. Maybe there's, not yeah. as, like, weird stuff happening, but we could get that now. And it's that's literally, exciting. There's mm-hmm. so there's literally so much they can go from the Palpatine family to to Luke and training all the Jedi students. What happened to Luke's Jedi students that even this Ren comic has touched on. It's just a, it's a tip of the iceberg of where they could go. And again, not just, it's not just fluff material where it's, it's just kind of a bunch of side characters. It's deep rooting, like story stuff, but that we really need to know about. And it's, it, to me, they need to, they need to get on this soon. They, they want to like really capitalize on the rise of Skywalker and the sequel trilogy. Then you gotta do it. Like, pretty quickly in the next year or so so I well they- i imagine project luminous is gonna have something now that this is all out i'm just like okay project luminous probably something to do with this like before the movie so. came out i couldn't even imagine the project having to do with the movie because the concept of the movie existing did not exist to me yet but now it's out i'm like surely this big project has something to do with like this saga or else why bother um i mean there's good reasons to bother but why bother uh <laughs> and that i think that was the biggest thing that i got out of this movie was the excitement for everything that we will get now mm-hmm. so positive view for the future which is nice yes and i also have a positive positive view for the future Same and that here. is a good good note to end on honestly very good note yes so that 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 was our rise of skywalker talkin um if you want to talk to us more on twitter we exist there as blaster cannon pod paul mainly controls that account so if you want to fight with paul go there or <laughs> Wow. Talk to him on Twitter at his Twitter account, which is at Herman22 with two N's. There we go. Megan, where can people find you online? At blog full of words. And also she writes for Den of Geek, who hosts who hosts. <laughs> they don't host it, but they are the reason we here exist as a podcast. So thank you, Den of Geek. Uh you could find me at Wanderlustin. I almost forgot my Twitter name. W-A-N-D-E-R-L-U-S-T-I-N. I have not slept in so long. I'm on so much coffee. Uh and yeah. Please rate and review us on iTunes if you like us, because then more people can find us and hear us. And also, Dean of Geek might love us more. <laughs> I want to be the favorite child. <laughs> As in the Thank you for the favorite child. For joining us for our Rise of Skywalker podcast. Yeah, thank you. Hopefully next time, oh my god, who knows what news we'll have next time in a That's month. true. Who knows? Who but we knows? will have the eighth episode of Mandalorian, which is very exciting. Yes. And the and Den of Geek Twitter itself is at Den of Geek US. That There's is also very important. Also, our siblings at Den of Geek UK, who are good too, but are not us. So, <laughs> <laughs> siblings, but not us. <laughs>
yeah and thank you for listening goodbye (laughs) (laughs) i love our weird little goodbye yes (laughs) these other podcasts have like this cool catchy outros like even rogue quadrants got pash out which makes no sense at least and we're just like goodbye hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.